Episode 68, Sunday, February 17th, 2013. Welcome to the XJ Talk Show. You're listening to the premier podcast about Jeep Cherokees, off-road adventures, tips that you can use, and interviews with people in the off-road industry. And now, here are your hosts, Tony and Josh. Good evening. Good. Well, yeah, good evening. It's uh, The live show is being recorded on Sunday, 10.15, right on time. Uh, actually, not. Uh, that's 15 minutes late from when we normally start. Well, I shouldn't say normally start because normally would be about five minutes ago. Anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, my name's Tony Motoroy on xjtalk.com, and xjtalk.com is the website that you should go if you own a Jeep Cherokee and, uh, you know, or thinking about getting a Jeep Cherokee or uh, any of those things because uh, that's where the site you, you want to go and, and learn more about your Jeep Cherokee. We do this show to help uh, support that site, help get the word out. Uh, Josh and I uh, come here every Sunday night at 10 p.m. to do the little live show, which is just the the portion that he and I do together. The rest of the show you'll want to download from uh, iTunes or uh, I guess uh, Zoom now, or you can uh, listen to it directly off of uh, uh, xjtalkshow.com. So, uh, Josh, what's happening well, Tony, made it through Valentine's Day. I uh, don't know about you, but I've had my full of chocolate. Well, I uh, have not had that much chocolate, thank goodness. I did did just here a few minutes ago have a couple of brownies, and uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of hyper. Oh, got a sugar high, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not supposed to have sugar, so uh, the you know I, I blame the actually the dog uh, is not supposed to have chocolate, and I'm not supposed to have sugar, so I just. Uh, I helped save the dog, but uh, did myself some damage in the process, I'm sure. Blaming the dog. Well, that's what we, we all of us guys do, don't we? <laughs> well, that's, only... That wasn't me. That was the dog, honey. Only when there's unexplained smells. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I want to so, thank the everybody here that's been here in the chat room today. Uh, again, the live show is at 10 p.m. Central Time on Sundays. Uh, right after you get through watching uh, Walking Dead, and you can uh, maybe take a brief 15-minute nap in the easy chair, and then uh, mosey on over to your computer to go to ustream.tv slash channel slash xjtalk. And we're actually simulcasting on, um, you know, if I'd thought about that before I said it, I would never would have got simulcast out. Uh, we're also simulcasting on uh, the Google Hangouts. Uh, I can't really tell you how to go find that. That's, uh, that's a link that I put up, but I think it might be available on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's still in the experimental stage, but uh, if you find xjtalk.com's YouTube channel, I think you can see it on, on, on there. Yeah, Tony, this is, um, this is you know, cutting-edge technology here. Um, Tony <laughs> and I, have, we've been experimenting with some new stuff uh, here for the, uh, for the podcast and for the show lately. And obviously, President Obama kind of took our lead and uh, did his last State of the Union address um, also through Google+. Oh, really? Well, you know, I, 
in the interview we're going to have tonight uh, with uh, Richard Goatman from uh, Naxja, he, uh, King of the Hammers winner, or at least second place uh, finisher, which I, if you finish in King of the Hammers, that's a, that's a win good enough oh, for yeah. me. Anyway, uh, he uh, he was telling me that King of Hammers was uh, broadcast on uh, Ustream. Yes, it was. Yeah, they had a ton, a huge presence on Ustream. Uh, there was all kinds of stuff coming from uh, King of the Hammers on Ustream, and I, I caught a few of the uh, a few of the live broadcast and um, and a little bit of the the highlights. Boy, I tell you what, guys, the the high definition highlight videos that are online right now of the King of the Hammer stuff is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think that high def stuff's here to stay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is really cool stuff. The the editing and the slow motion, and of course, they they really do a good job of uh, picking the right music to go with it. And it really gets you hyped up and, and want to hit the trails. I don't know about you, but I was watching some of that stuff <clears throat> on my break at work. And um, uh, I tell you, I, the Jeep was out in the parking lot and it was just killing me. I wanted to hop in and, uh, and hit my, the, the closest trail I could. Well, this is like the, the thing the comedians would always talk about whenever you, uh, whenever you go to driver's ed in school. You want to get out. You know, you see all the stuff. You learn about the vehicles. You learn about what you're supposed to do. And you want to jump out there and... And drive the vehicle and, and and do it, and then they think, well, let's let's teach them sex ed in school and expect them to just go home. Yeah. <laughs> it's like same thing. Well, I got there and I want to drive. I want to do, you know. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> so anyway, you uh, you mentioned, or maybe it was me, uh, about Walking Dead uh, in the intro there. Uh, so uh, Walking Dead's back on. I yeah, do not really, like these mid-season crap things where it's gone for, you know, long enough for you to, to die and come back as a zombie before it comes back on. Yeah, the whole hiatus thing uh, definitely had me jones, and I was, I was itching for some more shows and some new episodes. Glad it's back on the air. Uh, really excited about it. Um, just briefly, we won't go in, into it in, in too depth. And, of course, those who, um, uh, who haven't seen last week's episode, there's probably going to be some spoiler alerts here, so just a heads up. But uh, definitely some uh, some interesting turn of events, Tony. I I mean I'm 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 a big fan of the show as well. Uh, I don't stay up and watch the after show where the um, the actors and stuff talk uh, talk amongst themselves on that talk show type. Uh, talking, the, the dead. talking dead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't I don't usually check that. I'm not that big of a fan, but I do love the episode. So um, uh, give me give me your take on last week, real quick. Well, the one thing I wanted to mention was um, I, I'm a big fan of Lori Holden's. I've, I've watched her for, for years in uh, various shows and actually checking out Internet Movie Database. She was actually in some things that I was not aware. I was a big uh, X-Files fan, and I do not recall her being in X-Files. But anyway, uh, she probably was, and I just, uh, I just don't recall. Anyway, I was, uh, I was enthused to see uh, she's a very good actress and, and actually you see some of that acting uh, ability um first season second season must have been first season where her sister died came back as a zombie and she had to put a, a round through her head and this that whole scene was very uh visceral uh you could just kind of feel exactly what she was going through and i was really surprised she wasn't more fully utilized in the series so uh, whenever this season started, and I don't mean the this mid-season restart reboot thing, uh, when, when this season started, she looked like she was going to have a much bigger role. Well, actually, you saw that last season when she got separated from the group. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to see her more uh, interactive in the show, and it wasn't a bad thing seeing seeing her buck-ass naked 
uh, in the governor's uh, apartment that one episode. And I will tell you, uh, at least she says on Twitter, that was not a body double. That was her. Hey. Yeah. Care of herself, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, she, uh, uh, this, uh, this last episode, which is, this is a spoiler alert. Um, this last episode, she found out really uh, pretty much what the governor's all about and all the lies that he's been telling. And it's just been kind of a matter of fact. I guess losing an eye makes you honest because uh, <laughs> he was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to tell you because uh, you'd get upset. And I yeah. really, I really thought that uh, uh, the, the, and the Andrea character was going to take a testicle. He was going to be minus an eye and a nut. Yeah. And she just seemed kind of dumbfounded uh, and not very reactionary. And I was really surprised by that. Well, um, uh, what's her name again? Lori Hall. Is that right? Holden. Uh, Holden. I, I think that um, there's a good chance after her very um, inspirational speech to the town folk that were about ready to leave um, and, and, and kiss the governor goodbye, uh, more or less. Uh, I think that she, there may be a chance they're going to write her in as uh, taking the governor's place. Uh, I see her possibly sticking around and maybe sort of overthrowing him or at least getting more of, of the townsfolk's support um, to, to her than they would give to him. It'll be interesting to see. I, th I think that thing is a uh, lost cause at this point. It was built on lies, and I don't think that people are going to... Uh uh, they may join up. I mean, you know, the ranks are kind of low. Uh, everybody, it's been thinned out drastically. If you go back and see any of those earlier episodes or to see clips from those earlier episodes, you go, oh, I remember that guy or I remember her. And the group was much bigger and it was much different. Uh, I mean, you, you remember some of the main characters that are, are gone, but there were, you know, the, the red shirt uh, zombie fighters, so to speak, <laughs> that weren't there very long and they were just, you know, uh, zombie fodder. So anyway, uh, don't want to go too long on this, but, uh, it is interesting. And maybe we have some folks out there that are also interested in uh, the walking dead and, uh, thought it would be fun to uh, discuss that for a brief couple of minutes. Well, if, uh, if you're a big fan of walking dead, I know on a couple of other, um, Jeep sites, I have seen threads dedicated to walking dead. So if you're out there and you want to, you want to start one up, uh, Tony, I don't know if we have one or not. I haven't, I haven't looked, but, uh, if not, uh, feel free. Start one up. It might be some good infra, good, uh, good place to get some chat going. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, a man does not live by Jeep alone. Uh, so, uh, and we have a general section on xjtalk.com. You can uh, post up pretty much anything you you want to talk about. And uh, actually, I do. Uh, I guess I'm the world's worst for posting things up. So speaking of uh, living and breathing and, and dying Jeep, um, and mine's not a, a living dead yet. Uh, hasn't given up the ghost. Uh, still running strong. I've um, I've actually made a purchase as of yesterday. Uh, the first set of uh, of parts for my one ton steering conversion has been ordered and is on its way. I've decided I'm going not with Himes but with tie rod ends. So my one ton steering conversion is going to be tie rod end based. And it's going to be an inverted T setup. Uh, so I'm not going to be doing a full crossover steering, and I'm not going with Himes. I'm going with tie rods. Isn't there an issue with Himes that you have to uh, rebuild those things a lot more often than tie rod ends? Uh, it, it depends on, on the kind of driving and the kind of wheeling that you do. Um, there's guys out there that have been on the same set of Himes for three years, and then there's guys that rebuild them three times a year. 
uh, it really depends on on the kind of terrain that you find yourself on most and the kind of wheeling that you do. Guys that are um, that are more like the desert racing and stuff and that are are really bashing through the rocks really hard, they're gonna they're gonna stretch the metal out a little bit and those heims are gonna are gonna wallow out and you're gonna have to rebuild them. Uh, but the guys that are you know strictly trail drivers. Uh, or find themselves daily driving more than they are wheeling, or some really moderate rock crawling, are probably going to do just fine with Himes and um, aren't going to have to rebuild them as often. Okay, good. Uh, that's interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I I guess technically I do have one. Uh, well, I have I have something that looks like one that they use on the heavy-duty uh, track bar from uh, from Rough Country, on the upgraded one. So uh, I guess that one probably doesn't move around that much, so I probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't see it uh, needing rebuilding. And I'm not even sure if that's rebuildable or not. I, I come to think of it, it's definitely replaceable. If nothing else, oh, you can yeah. the joint. Well, and the tie rod ends are replaceable too. Yeah, and that's the main reason that I'm I'm doing this to begin with. Is the I have a for those of you I'll bring up to speed really quick. I have a Grand Cherokee uh, steering system on on my XJ. And um, even with the XJ or the Grand Tour, the ZJ s- systems, the passenger side ends, the passenger side rod ends of both the drag link and the tie rod are not rebuildable. They are not interchangeable and they cannot be replaced. So you end up having to replace the entire track bar, I'm sorry, the, the entire drag link or the entire tie rod if you have a, a bad end go out, if you have an end go bad on you. So instead of having to replace the entire steering system that Frankly, I, I've been happy with, but I want something that is a little bit more modular, a little bit more um, uh, rebuildable friendly, so to speak. So if I have to replace something on the trail, I don't have to swap out an entire arm. Yeah. You know, uh, while you were talking about that, I was thinking, I really find it strange, and they probably do this for cost, but I really find it strange that the, um, the um, I want to say drag arm, the uh, the drag link, the... The arm that comes from the pitman arm from the steering box down yeah. to the knuckle. Gosh, I, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, yeah, that piece that goes uh, that goes over to the uh, to the knuckle, like you said, um, that drag. doesn't have a replaceable tie rod end. You have no. to replace the, the drag link. That's what it's called. Uh, yep. You have to replace the whole thing. And yep. uh, I'm just really surprised by that. I mean, it's not that big a deal. It just seems like uh, it would be. Uh, kind of a no-brainer to put a uh, put a, uh, a tie rod end on that, but but then again, maybe that makes it uh, less strong. So maybe that's the reason why. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to have some sort. I mean, what they did on the tie rod end and what they did on the drag link end on the sides that are replaceable is a sleeve. So they they threaded the rod, and then you have a sleeve um, that you turn for adjustment. That's how you would adjust the 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 rotation of your steering wheel after a lift or or an alignment. And, um, and then on the tie rod side, how you adjust your toe in and toe out is with that sleeve. You rotate that sleeve and it, it moves along the threads and, and either pulls in or pushes out the, the two rod ends. And uh, I guess that consider, could be considered a weak point. Uh, and the more of those you add into a system, um, the weaker it's going to be. Uh, but, you know, again, I don't understand why they didn't, um, you know, do like a, a threaded rod and just put the tie rod end into the rod and make that end replaceable um, and serviceable versus adjustable. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's that's a mystery. Uh, it probably probably would require a little thought, uh, but it probably does have something to do with uh, doing the adjustments or having multiple adjust points uh, in the yeah. in the chain. 
uh, because then you you start having uh, you start fighting yourself in, in the adjustments. But but still, I can't imagine you know knocking that thing out of the knuckle and twisting it off and putting the new one on wouldn't be uh, advantageous as to replace as, from replacing the whole thing. Well, anyway, I um, I got under my Jeep uh, a little bit today. I've been having a a pretty good oil leak, um, like a, a a quart every uh, week or two. Oh, that's substantial. Yeah, and uh, I uh, I thought maybe it was a a bolt that uh, got stripped, and when we were um, uh, Matt, uh, I got a full set of stainless steel. Uh, oil pan bolts and and matt said stainless steel is soft uh really shouldn't use that and uh, uh we used we used them anyway i don't know if it was because of the uh, the speed of that we were going through uh, uh on the uh the engine swap or it was just the convenient thing to do anyway one of them did strip uh actually broke off and so you just real quick tony i'm sorry were you leaving a spot in the driveway or were you burning oil i mean was it a leak or was it a burn no it's a leak oh okay and, uh, so anyway, I, uh, uh, I was going to rethread actually Matt came over, uh, a, f- a, f- a couple of months ago and, uh, we got that, uh, drilled that, uh, that bolt out of there and, uh, he threaded it and we put a bolt in there, but, uh, it's not really able to get tight. So just for a, a stopgap measure, I thought I would try some RTV. So I took that, uh, that, uh, bolt out of there and, uh, put some RTV on it. And screwed it up in in there, and uh, it uh, it has sealed. It has not been an issue. Uh, it doesn't get uh, real tight, but then again, I don't want to tighten it up too much because we've already broken off one in there. I was uh, anyway. I went out there today to look at it because I was going to pull that bolt out. Uh, I do have some um, some a set of taps, a new set of taps, and I was going to tap that hole and then uh, go up to uh, Lowe's or Home Depot and get a, a nice grade eight. Uh, st- a steel uh, bolt to go on there. And while I was laying there with my little flashlight looking for oil, I saw that there was oil, uh, you know, a drip uh, you could, where you could see it accumulating. I could see it on the oil filter. I could see a drip on the, um, the oil filter adapter. And uh, that's not where I was seeing the oil f- the oil form, though. The oil spot was forming directly underneath the bolt that the drain bolt for the oil pan and i was looking for oil trails or anything that i could find uh, i really couldn't find anything so uh, i took a rag i cleaned up the oil pan uh from just the the light haze of oil that has collected on it and um i knew that i wanted to to tighten up the the oil filter because i usually hand tighten those things i don't like putting them on oh, with a wrench oh yeah no never never wrench your oil filter on right uh, but since I since I was seeing oil collecting there, I went ahead and gave it a little bit of a turn with the wrench just to tighten it up. And uh, then once that was uh, that was like that, I, uh, I started it up, put some wheel chocks uh, under the uh, the front tires, front and rear, so it wouldn't go forward or backward. And while it was running, I was underneath there, uh, which uh, yeah, obviously in a lifted Jeep, there's lots of room. Oh yeah. <laughs> so. I was laying under the Jeep with it running, uh, seeing if I could see any oil. And I really couldn't. And I probably ran it for a good 15 minutes. It wasn't until um, I, uh, I turned it off that the, it started dripping. So I went and found it, and I could see the drip forming uh, at the very bottom of the, the, I guess, the U at the rear main seal. 
So at the very uh, at the very bottom of the U of the oil pan, you know that that goes around the 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 crankshaft where the two bolts are. Yep. So and then I could actually see a little trail of oil that had formed and was going right down to where the uh, the drain bolt is, and that's where it was dripping. And it's not anything. Um, it's not anything that would cause me to not be able to drive it uh, a fair distance and have to worry about you know running low on oil. But it's something where I'm continuously having to add oil to it. So uh, there was a, a, a little metal bracket or brace, if you will, that was on the old oil pan that we, that, of the engine that we rebuilt. And it would not fit on the oil pan uh, whenever we were putting this back together. So we didn't put it on there. And I'm wondering if that's not there to help uh, close that gap to... Because it basically uh, goes between those two bolts uh, at the back of the uh, uh, of the oil pan uh, that go on either side of the uh, the main. So basically, you have a large uh, two or three inches, not two inches, maybe three or four inches uh, span there of metal that have no U bolts. I'm sorry, no bolts holding it tight. So I think that's what that metal bracket was was made for. And I was trying to find some information about it today uh, online. That is a um, what that what that does is um, is it helps pull that that where that oil pan dips down at it connects to those two bolts. You actually feed the two bolts through that that little metal strip, and it uh, if I, if memory serves me right, it's got two little, little bumps in it, uh, which are which are for expansion. They're expansion joints, but uh, basically as as the oil pan heats up and and cools down, that 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 metal is going to to move and expand, contract a little bit, but um, in that in that um, that gap between those two bolts at the very end there, where that rear main seal is basically, um, that metal strip is used to sort of hold pressure and, and keep that the the very apex of that of that dip more tight up against the seal. Yes. And uh, and you you definitely need that if you still have that piece of metal, even hit it with some tin snips if it's a matter of a clearance issue that um, that it doesn't fit in that groove of that oil pan or something like that. Um, I, I would try and find a way to to make that work yep and uh, matt and i were actually chatting uh on google plus uh, before the show and uh, i think he had read my post and he says uh, you know i have that and i said well i know you had it at one time if basically if you're like me <laughs> i remember seeing it at one time i don't know where it is but anyway uh he's got Fox, <laughs> yeah, he's he's got about the same kind of mess that i do which he's immediately taken offense of uh offense at me saying He's got about the same kind of mess that I do, but he he has a better uh, uh, he's easier it's easier for him to find the stuff. So it's called an organized clutter. Yeah, well that's definitely that's like, definitely what I got. May look like a complete disaster, but I know where everything is. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was trying to find one online. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, basically, so that I wouldn't have to uh, ask Matt to uh, go ship it because for you, for those of you that uh, that don't know, Matt is in Conroe. And I'm in uh, Katy, and it's about 70 miles, uh, a 70 mile drive between my house and Matt's house. Actually, that would be his shop. I think his house is probably five miles closer. It'd only be about a half hour drive for each of you to meet in the middle somewhere, wouldn't it? That's true. And now I just have to take something other than my Jeep since it runs hot. Yeah. <laughs> week. Well, as I've heard, uh, I've been uh, giving you guys 
news as far as what's going on in Jeep. And uh, in this week in Jeep, we've been reporting on what's going to be happening happening with the Cherokee, and that's the 2014 Jeep Cherokee. And you heard me right. There is no grand in that title. Jeep is going to be re-releasing the Cherokee. It's not going to be to have the XJ designation, obviously, but it is going to have the namesake. And uh, apparently, they are testing it in China right now. They, it has been designed. It has been built. It is going to happen. It's absolutely 100% official. And some spy photos have been shot of it. Now, the photos you guys may have seen after hearing me talk about this online have just been artist rendering or conceptualizations or, or otherwise, um, you know, models that they have, you know, for, for just the, the auto shows and stuff like that, concepts, if you will. But the actual production model has been made, and they're testing this thing in China. Now, obviously, they, they throw cloth and skirts, and they paint it all kinds of weird and stuff like that, so it looks absolutely hideous. But this is just an indication that this isn't just hearsay anymore. And this is like some uh, some actual indication that, that this is going to happen. Now, we've talked about power plant and powertrain and, and stuff like that. And, and honestly, it sounds like anything other than their trail-rated version is going to be, well, certainly not living up to the roots that the Cherokee is as we know it today. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of the results and what happens with this thing. Obviously, we don't want to see this thing flopped on its side on some track somewhere. But the fact that they're testing this Unfortunately, you're testing it in China and not here in the States. Um, but nonetheless, it's definitely come to, uh, to, to realization. And it's kind of, sort of like a, a finale, um, sort of a, an actualization of something that's going to be coming to fruition here real soon. So it's really cool to see this happening. And there's some, uh, there's some photos of it online. You guys want to check it out. Uh, just you know, check out the 2014 Jeep Cherokee test or spy photos. And, uh, and you guys can see it. Um, there's, there's some... Uh, unreleased stuff on there that I've seen so far, um, but there's some other stuff out there that you guys can get your eyes on. Again, it's not going to really give you a full idea of what the thing looks like, but it'll give you some idea at least of what the new 2014 Jeep Cherokee is going to look like. Yep, and we can put that uh, that link up in the show notes too, Josh. We'll do. We'll do. So that's it for uh, this week in Jeep. Guys, I wish I had more sexy, cool news for you, but um, as it is, uh, we're just tracking this so far. If you've got anything that you'd like to see in This Week in Jeep, you got some Jeep news, by all means, let us know. Send it to newstips at xjtalk.com. That's N-E-W-S-T-I-P-S at xjtalk.com. And I know that uh, you folks on the podcast, certainly you people in the chat room, know that uh, uh, Skype is acting up on us right now. So uh, we uh, certainly caught everything Josh said. Josh, uh, I don't know if you're noticing the Skype issues over there, but... uh, it's uh it's acting up like a beast tonight. I don't know exactly why. So apologies, but uh, that is uh, the things that we have to live with when we do a, a free <laughs> podcast. <laughs> if we uh, if, if we had Sorry, me- guys. I, I can't. no no I it's can't. It, it's not you, Josh. It's it's the, it's the way it's the nature of technology that we use. Yeah. But some people may not be aware of it. Because they don't use Skype or they just hear the, the, the funny sounding, uh, you know, like, is this the Matrix type thing? It's not that bad. It's just uh, a little bit of a chop uh, to the, uh, I notice it because I can kind of hear it and I'll see your video freezing. So anyway, uh, that's just, uh, just want to let the audience know that you're, it's not you, it's us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's enough of that. 
So uh, as we uh, alluded to uh, earlier in the show, we have an interview uh, with uh, Richard uh, Gutierrez. I hope I pronounced that right. Sorry, Richard, if I didn't. Uh, you know him and love him as Goatman on Naxja, N-A-X-J-A.org. And uh, he was the uh, driver for a Jeep Cherokee <clears throat> that uh, was uh, driven to second place in King of the Hammers. So uh, we had to have him on, and we were able to get him on. And I want to thank Dan from the 4x4 podcast for uh, suggesting to me on Facebook to contact him. Um, as I was telling Richard uh, after the interview, because he was asking if I was going to post this stuff up on uh, Next just so people would be aware of his interview. And I told him, I said, well, since I have technically a competing uh, forum <laughs> for, you know, XJ Talk, uh, uh, is about uh, a Jeep Cherokee website, and Naxja is definitely a, a Jeep Cherokee website. Uh, I just kind of consider it bad form to go over to that site and and you know and promote uh, this 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 site. And he says, well, he didn't think it was an issue about XJ Talk Show. He certainly understood what I was where I was coming from. Uh, and he says, but it's it's a podcast. And uh, so anyway, I, I went over there and uh, posted up to let them know there was going to be an interview with uh, with Richard. And uh, it was going to be uh, available uh, this coming uh, Sunday, Monday. So uh, we have, uh, since that post, maybe uh, it may not be related, but since that post, we have had probably 10 new members to xjtalk.com, including Richard. Uh, you'll see a, a member called Goatman on xjtalk.com, and, and that is him. So uh, you guys uh, should uh, congratulate him, not, not only uh, joining uh, our site, but also too for going through all the trouble of uh, uh, the worrying and trouble of getting that XJ ready, which uh, uh, you'll hear in the interview was a, a huge team effort. Uh, but also too for uh, finishing that race, so it was uh, it was an interesting interview, and uh, we may be hearing uh, from more folks that were associated with that uh, in in the interview realm very very soon. Uh, Richard was was kind enough to ask me about. Uh, uh, other interviews uh, having to do with uh, people that he knows. So we'll see what comes out of that. It, it could be very fruitful for, for all of us. I know uh, it was very interesting for me. I have never followed the King of the Hammers because I kind of looked at it like desert racing. I didn't know. And uh, it, was, it was much more interesting than what I, I thought it was after talking to Richard. I can see how that would be a, uh, um, a very good test of uh, some equipment. Um, and I was very happy to hear, uh, how well the XJ performed. Yeah. And I saw in the, uh, in our, in the highlight videos online, there was, um, there was a few XJs that were, that were in the competition as well. So really cool to see that the, the Cherokee is living on and apparently living up and making a good reputation for itself in these big races like this. And folks, King of the Hammers is certainly one of the biggest, if not the toughest off-road race in the world. You know, it was interesting. Richard has a, uh, a Cherokee that he drives. Um, I don't know if it would be considered a daily driver, but it, it, one that he takes off-road. He's got an actual buggy that's based on a, a Cherokee. Uh, used to be, in other words. Uh, but he, he also has a, a Cherokee like, like you or I. And uh, it was funny because uh, he posted that he recently put 35s on his Cherokee, which he said he would never do. <laughs> I think we've all been there. <laughs> yep, yep. I said at one point I would never go past thirty ones, and here I am on thirty threes already. Yeah, I mean they pretty everybody on the on the sites, uh, whether it was Naxja or uh, XJ Talk, 
have pretty much uh, talked me into the 33s as being the maximum size, and I get the feeling that's exactly where Richard was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll never do better than bigger than 33s, and now he's still on 35. So uh, you got the you got bit by the bug. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess there's a point when you when you change out enough things, or you come to the 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 point in your mind that. It, it, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the necessary upgrades so that I can run 35s. Then, you know, what the hell? Yeah, there is that. So, uh, yeah. And we have the electrical and audio tip, uh, uh, coming up, uh, prior to the interview. And, uh, so let's see, I guess that pretty well covers it. We can, uh, uh, get into the, uh, into the, the meat of the show. If I can ever find where my mouse pointer is. Yeah, and folks, if you've got an idea for an electrical and audio tip or something you'd like to hear about on the show, please give us a call at our 24-7 voicemail line. That's 530-675-4102. Or shoot us a line over on email at newstips at xjtalk.com for a suggestion. Make sure you put in the subject line either Jeep tips or electrical and audio tips. Let us know what you're talking about. And uh, we have recently asked you guys to give us reviews on iTunes, and uh, we actually have uh, recently received uh, a couple of reviews, and uh, want to thank those uh, individuals for taking the time to go to iTunes and uh, give us those reviews. So, uh, if you don't understand, iTunes is basically a, an Apple application that allows you to, uh, you know, download podcasts or music, buy music. They have a store. Uh, some sort of thing they call a Mac, I think, is uh, is what it's primarily used for, or one of those iPod uh, doodads, those trinkets that Apple makes. And uh, if you're uh, certainly if you're if you're into that sort of thing, into the Apple world, and you use iTunes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And XJ Talk uh, Show is there, so you can uh, download your podcast and listen to it, uh, whatever the convenience that iTunes give you. So for all of you iPhone users out there, and all of you iPad and iPod users out there. It's uh, your due diligence to to go to iTunes and give us that five star rating. We we are demanding it of you, <laughs> even if you don't mean it. We'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> lie to us. <laughs> Guys, uh, this sort of um, is is the podcast charts, uh, almost like the Nielsen ratings, if you will. So this is a this helps us um, climb the charts and and beat out some of the other off road Jeep related podcasts that are out there. And the reason why we bring it up is uh, obviously it helps the show, helps promote the show and gets us uh, more listeners. Uh, but uh, it's so funny how, uh, you know, it's, it's like if you don't ask, you don't get. That's a, a common saying that I use. So uh, we have not been asking about iTunes or, or reviews. And uh, we actually had a, uh, an XG Talk listener bring that up to us. Uh, and, and we were, I think Josh and I really weren't thinking about it since uh, we're not Apple uh, folks and we don't use iTunes. But anyway... We've asked, and you guys have uh, have certainly uh, uh, come through. And uh, just real real quick, here's uh, a couple of uh, well, I say a couple. Uh, this is a hundred percent of the reviews we have so far, which are two. <laughs> anyway, here's the first one. Uh, it is uh, titled Jeep XJ Happiness, uh, five stars by War Wagon. I love this podcast. It's always getting better, real information, news tips, and how tos, interviews, and more. I can't wait only one a week. Josh, are you ready for a five-day, seven-day-a-week uh, show? Oh, boy. I don't know about that, Tony. <laughs> Give it the old college try, though, if we came to it. <laughs> and then uh, this one from uh, uh, Brass Cats, our uh, uh, beloved moderator here in the chat room. Uh, it's titled Simply Awesome, 
five stars. This is the best podcast I have ever listened to. If you like Jeeps or 4x4s, you need to subscribe. I mean, you can't really say it any plainer than that, Josh. No, that, that's what it comes down to right there. I mean, so, so, so succinct. Thanks, Brass Cats. That's an excellent, outstanding review. Appreciate yes, that. Yes, thank you, and check your PayPal. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, uh, we do not pay for reviews as far as you know. Hey, you're paying for reviews. I think I need a paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) It was really funny. A guy used to work for, it made absolutely no sense to me, but he would say whenever the collectors would call him, he would tell them, yeah, the check's in your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a it's a dig it doesn't really make sense but it's kind of like huh okay i, I kind of get the feeling uh, the uh. direction you're going there <laughs> <laughs> anyway so uh let's get on to the electrical and audio tips and then our interview this is dan from the 4x4 podcast and you're listening to the xj talk show hey this is tony and this is josh from the xj talk show we want to thank you for calling our 24 7 voice line Yes, we do. Just leave your first name and your question or comment. There's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at the beep. Well, took long enough for that beep to come through. Talk show's pretty badass. I like you guys. My name is Jake, and I drive a fucking XJ. And I listen to XJ Talk Show because they are the sh**t. Hey guys, this is Little Jim or Brass Cats on the site, xjtalk.com, and XJ Talk Show is made of Jeepers, by Jeepers, and for Jeepers. See you on the forums. Do you have a question or comment that you'd like to hear on the show? Just call 530-675-4102 any time of the day or night and leave it on our voicemail. I know you've heard us talk about Amazon on the podcast before, but have you heard about our new game? You bought what? It's a lot of fun and we want you guys to play along. All you have to do is go to xjtalk.com or xjtalkshow.com and click on the Amazon banner there on the main page. This takes you right to Amazon, where you can buy any crazy little thingamajig to join in on the fun. Amazon gives us a list every week of what you guys are buying, but we don't get to know who it is that's buying it. As an added bonus, you get the same great price you always would, and Amazon is going to give the show a small pittance for you playing along. So let's all have some fun. The XJ Talk Show and Amazon.com. Electrical. And audio tips. Hey guys, in this installment of Electrical and Audio Tips, we're going to talk briefly about LED lights. And specifically, the kind of LED lights that we end up putting in our rigs as far as, well, usually tail lights and turn signals. Brake lights, even. Now, the main benefit of LED lights is, well, one, they're really, really cool. But secondly, they last a really long time, and they're also usually a bit brighter than the factory incandescent lights. Now, this is beneficial for several reasons. If you live in an area where there's inclement weather, a lot of fog, well generally this is going to give you better visibility. Better visibility is also great on the trail. Last thing you want is another rig to come in smack into your back end because you didn't see your brake lights. Now the problem is is that when we run these LED lights in our Jeeps, especially the older model Cherokees or older model Jeeps, the flashers will not pick up the reduced current, reduced amperage draw that the LED lights are asking for. But in order to make these things work, what you need is a different flasher unit, one designed for use with LEDs. Regular bulbs, the incandescent bulbs, the regular kind of bulbs that we use, pull a ton of current and a lot more amperage. LEDs only use a fraction of that amount. In the past, we've talked about how lights can draw current and their amperage requirements. LED lights 
and especially LED off-road lights, take all this out of the equation. They still require 12 volts, but they draw a whole lot less amps. That means you've got more room to put more lights on one circuit. Now this is great, who doesn't want more lights? But we're still left with our problem of not being able to flash our hazards or our turn signals. The standard flasher in our Jeeps is just a bimetallic element that has the current running through it. It's temperature sensitive, which means when it's cool, it's in one position, and when it heats up, it's in the other position, on and off. The current to the bulbs runs through the element, causing it to heat up, and when it does, it changes position. So when that thing sees the draw of our incandescent bulbs, it heats up. All that voltage and amperage draw going through this little piece of metal, it's going to light up, kind of like a light bulb. And when it does, as you know, when metal heats up, it changes its shape. So this is going to break the circuit. It's going to change its position and stop the current flow. When it cools down, it's going to change position again. And it makes contact again, and the cycle starts over. This is the clicking noise you may hear coming from behind or underneath the dash when you turn on your hazards or your turn signals. It's that little metal element snapping back and forth. LEDs don't pull enough current, regardless of how many you have in line. Well, you might be able to get away with throwing a hundred in line, and it might get close. But they don't pull enough current to ever warm that element up in the first place. Hence, no flashing. Regular flashers aren't designed for these kind of LED lights. You're going to need a flasher that's designed for use with LEDs. Now, we've talked about how typical flashers work. These are very similar to points in a distributor. These are very simple mechanical devices that interrupt electrical flow, creating an on and off repeated signal. They generally only have two leads and are relatively inexpensive and easy to come by. The kind that are going to work with LEDs are called diode flashers or electronic flashers. These little units are a lot more complex, usually have circuitry built into them, and are oftentimes more expensive and a little bit harder to come by. Some of the really trick ones also have adjustable flash rates. You'll find these more like in the tuner section of your auto parts store. The bottom line is they do the same thing as a regular flasher, but if you're upgrading to an LED system, they're a must-have, an absolute necessity for your installation. Now there's a whole bunch of different kinds out there that's going to work for your application. The newer model Cherokees already come with an electronic flasher. They're load sensing and they're meant to work with a variety of different loads, like hooking up a trailer for instance. Trailers have that additional load of trailer lights on them. This is going to put a larger load on the system and sometimes will even pop fuses. The flashers in the late model Cherokees are designed to compensate for this load. They're also designed to compensate for a lack of load, like swapping in LED taillights. Now LEDs are really cool. They're brighter and they have that wow factor. But if you're going to be running them, there's something you got to take into consideration, and that's going to be whether or not you're going to swap out your electronic flasher. Now, this also applies for you guys out there that have the extremely built Cherokees, or even the Wrangler folks out there. Anybody that's running LED taillights, and this includes the kind that you might see on a semi trailer or on the back of a car hauler kind of trailer, the oval LED style, the semi truck style LED lights, this applies to you guys as well. Now keep in mind, you Cherokee guys out there, if you're planning on running a full set of rear quarter guards, the kind you might get from JCR Off-Road, which take the place of pretty much the entire rear quarter panel, oftentimes these are going to come loaded with LED-style lights. Now there is a fix to this. If you can't or you don't want to go out and try and hunt down the right kind of electronic flasher for your application, then there is a fix. Well, there's a couple, in fact, and I'm going to go over some tips and tricks for you. Mind you, this is just a Band-Aid. It's kind of a way to rig the solution versus actually taking care of it. Now in order to mask or duplicate or, or sort of lie to your stock flasher that there is a regular load in there when you're running LED lights, there's a couple different ways to do it. One is to 
well, keep an, an incandescent bulb somewhere in line. You're going to have to do this for each system. One for brakes, one for turn signals, one for running lights. You can get tricky and go ahead and run a dual element bulb for the tail lights and the turn signals, but you're going to have to run one on each side. Wiring these in line with your LEDs is going to be the way to confuse the flasher, to think, to lie to it, and to make it think that, well, there's still something in line that they're supposed to be that is asking for this kind of a load. Now, doing this, you may end up with a different kind of flash pattern. Your flash may be really slow. It may be really fast. It all depends on what your flasher is like that you have in there and the kind of light that you're going to install in line. Now, mind you, this is going to be something that's going to involve some soldering or getting a replacement socket and wiring that light somewhere underneath the dash. In any case, be careful with your connections and make sure they're insulated. You don't want to short out underneath your dash and end up losing all your taillights. Another way to do it is to add resistance. Now, that's going to be using a resistor. You wire in a resistor in line on each side. Now, generally, LED lights have a resistor built into them. But oftentimes, especially in the older model Cherokees, this just plain and simply isn't enough. These resistors are meant to make sure that there's a proper amperage and voltage going to the LED lights to make them work. But that's just to get them to turn on. Getting them to flash for hazards or for a turn signal is something entirely different. Now, a trip down to your local electrical supply store like a Radio Shack or something similar to pick up some multi-packs of resistors is what you'll be looking to do in this case. Wiring these different resistors in line is what's going to confuse the flasher to make it think that it has a larger load on it than it actually does. Resistors aren't like a light bulb. They don't burn out usually. They don't get hot usually. And they're very easy to conceal, meaning you can tuck them underneath the dash and you're not going to have a light show when you step on the brakes. They're also not susceptible to vibration, which is important for us wheelers. As to what level of resistance is going to be required for your application, I'm sorry guys, I can't tell you that information. That's why I said to pick up a multi-pack of resistors. You're going to have to do some experimentation here. And one tip I can give you guys here in this case is grab a couple of those old bulbs. No, not the ones that are in your desk lamp. No, grab one of the ones that are out of the turn signals. Grab your multimeter, set it to ohms or resistance, and measure those bulbs. Try to get a good reading. Grab a couple of readings and try and match it up to some of those resistors. Once you get somewhere close with the resistors, go ahead and wire those in line. You've basically, with resistors, mimicked what a bulb would be in line on that circuit. Now just be careful when you're hooking things up. Make sure that you're running these in line only. You're not going to be putting one on every, on every lead. Just on the positive lead, the side that the flashing signal would be going down. Oh, and for Pete's sake, do whatever you do, don't jumper the wires. You're not going to be wiring these across the leads, just in line. Now, you may be asking yourself at this point, well, that's all fine and dandy, but where the heck am I going to find these wires? Well, there's a few places. One, you can trace them down at the switch. That's going to be the bundle of wires that are coming down your steering column. Another place is going to be in the kick panels. You would even try the harness that's going down the driver's side of the vehicle. The final option, and I don't recommend this because it's probably going to be a little bit harder to trace down, and frankly, it's going to be a little bit more work, and that's going to be going at the source itself. Well, actually, way down the line. In fact, that's going to be right at the taillights. So now we've addressed all this towards the tail end of the vehicle, but we haven't really talked about the front of the vehicle. Well, that's going to be the same thing. Turn signals in the front are going to apply the same exact rules as we've talked about in the rear. Now, as far as the headlights go, there are LED headlights out there, and they are pretty trick. Check out some of the pictures online, guys. You are going to trip when you see some of this stuff. Some of them nowadays even look like bug eyes. It's pretty cool. And the best part is, it's all plug and play. Now, if you're going to fork out the big bucks to run LED headlights, I'd highly recommend upgrading the headlight harness. We've talked about that in past episodes, and I'll probably do a recap on that to talk about 
why it would be important for this application and its benefits. Technology's come a long way as far as LEDs go. And when you're wiring them into the OEM circuit, you're going to have to follow some of these rules. If you're going to be using LEDs as, as rock lights or auxiliary lights, some of the off-road LED lights are extremely bright, are way cool, and they even have a variety of different beam patterns. Almost all the off-road rigs you're going to see, the racers, most of the King of the Hammers rigs were running LED lights. Now, you want to hook up some LED lights for your rock, for some rock lights? By all means, go for it and load it up, as many as you can fit under there. Just make sure you're fusing your circuit and you're getting a good power source, and by all means, pay attention to your grounds. Well, that about wraps it up, guys. If you got any questions, I highly recommend going down to your local parts store. Talk to the folks down there about replacement LED bulbs, LED housings at your local off-road shop, and check out some of the available electronic flashers that are on the market to make all these things work. Honestly, it's a really cool upgrade and can be beneficial for you in the long run on many levels. And as always, if you've got any questions about this topic or anything else that we've ever talked about, feel free to post up in the electrical and audio tips section on xjtalk.com. Shoot me a private message there, or feel free to give our 24-7 voicemail line a call. Always willing to help you out, always willing to hear back from you. So until next time, I'll catch you later, and thanks for listening. The electrical and audio tip segment is intended for entertainment purposes only and not to be used as professional advice or as instructional guidance. Any attempts to use information provided in this segment are done at your own risk. Electrical and audio repair, troubleshooting, or installation is best left to trained and certified professionals. XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off-road. XJTalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to XJTalk.com when you're off-road too. Using your smartphone, install the Tapa Talk app, then search for XJ Talk. Take XJ Talk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well, anywhere you need your XJ Talk fix. Hey, this is Tim from Jeep Tubes, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Be sure to friend XJ Talk on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and add us to your circles on Google+. Join the XJTalk.com community and check out our sister site, WranglerTalk.com. Hey guys, welcome back. Our interview tonight is with Richard Gautier, also known as Goatman, on all the, uh, the forums and uh, specifically NAXJA. Dot org, but we'll get to that here in a second. Richard, thanks for being with us tonight. And uh, wow, congratulations on uh, coming in second, King of the Hammers. Well, thank you. Uh, it was a good run, and we had some good fortune, and uh, we had a lot of help from a lot of great people. So before we get into that, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and uh, how you got into uh, doing this off-road racing thing. Well, I live in Bakersfield, and uh, I currently own uh, G&G Auto Repair, G&G Off-Road, is, which is a combination auto repair shop, and, but yet because of our passion for off-road stuff, we, uh, we work on a lot of off-road stuff, a lot of Jeeps, and uh, I've been doing that for two and a half years. Previous to that, I worked for nearly 30 years as, uh, in management at car dealerships, and uh, um, all here in Bakersfield, and um, I uh, actually the first car that I ever bought when I was a teenager was a Jeep. It was a '55 Willie station wagon with a small block Chevy, and I was in the Bakersfield Trailblazers as a teenager. So um, 
I took a long hiatus from four-wheeling while my kids were growing up and all that, but uh, got back in it, I don't know, what, 20 years ago, and I've been in it pretty steady ever since. Well, I'd say you're in it pretty hard, hardcore right now. Um, so uh, all those years in uh, uh, management and uh, two years in the auto shop, which one do you love the most? Oh, that's a tough call. <laughs> <laughs> really, I uh, thought it was going to be easy. I myself pretty much now with, you know, having my own shop. Um, you know, it's given me the freedom to do some things, although I had a, I had a pretty cushy job with the car lot, so... I can't really complain too much. It provided a pretty nice lifestyle and gave me lots of vacation and lots of opportunity to travel all around the West and and do an awful lot of trips and four-wheeling and make an awful lot of friends. Well, I guess I can see that. I just There's something about having a shop. I guess it's, it's like every uh, Jeep guy's dream to have a shop where you can work on your vehicle, or better yet, stand there and point at it and go, no, turn that bolt. No, turn that one. Did you torque that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it actually is harder to work on my stuff with the shop than it is working at it in my garage, um, which I didn't anticipate. But uh, I could come home, chill out for a little bit, visit with my wife. She could watch some TV, and I head out to the garage for a couple hours. But now, once I leave that place, lock it up, set the alarm, I'm just not going back. So uh, it isn't as easy to work on your own stuff as you might think, So, which was a little surprising to me. Well, it's got to you got to make a profit. So if your uh, your vehicle's being worked on unless you're uh, unless you're willing to uh pay in, I guess it's not uh, the shop's not making money. Well, yeah, and of course we're growing. We've only been there a couple of years, but we're growing and uh, uh I've got three great guys working there now and uh, and when we have time, they they wrench on my stuff, so we're getting there. Okay, and my uh, as I was mentioning to you before we uh, started the the interview here, uh, Josh, my co-host, provided me with some uh, some information. Thanks a lot, Josh. And uh, one of the things he uh, he provided me was uh, looks like you joined uh, naxja.org in uh, 1999. Uh, yeah, you know, I I, uh, I ended up going to work for the Jeep dealership and. Um, was general sales manager for the Jeep dealership, and I thought, well, I ought to get a Jeep. I ought to get a 4 by 4 so so I did, and then I thought, well, I ought to get into the Jeep club, so I got back into the Bakersfield Trailblazers, and, of course, I got a Cherokee, um, and so then I, you know, got online, and, oh, I found an email group, a couple email groups, and then out of that grew um, the idea to form the North American XJ Association, and... Uh, and I was right there, you know, the first year getting involved. So, um, and that was back in '99. And I've been pretty, pretty heavily involved in Naxja ever since then. Well, uh, the that website was a a very good resource for me whenever I started uh, building up my uh, Cherokee. Uh, I guess that was around. Um, oh my gosh, 2004, 2005, maybe. Uh, yeah. That uh, when I started doing that, saved me a bunch of money uh, trying to diagnose uh, things that needed to be uh, fixed, and, and of course helped me spend money in figuring out uh, what kind of uh, what size lift I wanted, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I was a member uh, there uh, for a couple of years, and it was uh, it was uh, very inexpensive uh, when I considered how much money I'd saved hundreds hundreds of dollars from the uh, 
Uh, oh, yeah. The advice no, that people um, are giving me. It's a very good resource. Uh, of course, the forums are really popular. Uh, there is lots and lots of participants and traffic on the club forums. Um, of course, we have uh, uh, chapters all around the country, and all of those chapters have regular meet and greets and runs and functions and activities. So um, one of the nice things about uh, Naxja is that there's, um, there's a lot of actual activity that isn't related to the, to the website, to the forum. So some people experience Naxja pretty much as just a web forum, but there's lots and lots and lots of people all across the United States that it's a real community with uh, full of friends and activities on a regular basis. Yep, exactly. Um, so now there is a there's a relationship not only with you and Naxja, but uh, with the 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 Jeep that you guys drove on and King of the Hammers and Naxja. How did that uh, relationship come about? Well. Um, we started racing King of the Hammers when it first, the very first year uh, that they held the race, which is 2008. Uh, they held a preliminary race in 07 that was an unofficial, just a bunch of friends going out there and let's see if this works. But the actual first sanctioned race was in 2008, and a bunch of us Naxia guys thought, you know, we ought to go do this because uh, we kind of did what the format was. We we would haul ass and race to the trails and run trails and then haul ass and race back to camp. And uh, that's what this race was about. So uh, a group of us said, wait, we ought to do this. So we kind of went around. We're going to use uh, Paul's car. We we're going to use Dave's car and whatever. And then it ended up being that mine was the one that would fit the bill and be the easiest to qualify. So it ended up being mine. So kind of by default, I ended up being the the driver and the guy that was entering and um, the club got, because it was all club members that had the idea, guys came up and worked on the weekends and uh, to kind of modify my car to be ready to race and the safety gear and all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, then the next year, uh, Dave Taylor entered his car. So we had two of us and we were team Naxja. And it just kind of kind of was a natural. We just kind of coined the term Team Naxja, and um, um, and that's that's where it came from. Then um, um, we got away from it for a year or two. Uh, some of the guys uh, from our gr- original group, our, our crew, worked with uh, Dustin Webster and uh, uh, the Red Bull TJ. And some of us worked with uh, uh, Genride Off-Road the first year that they entered into King of the Hammers. Um, and then the, uh, the stock class, uh, Ultra 4 Racing, decided to form both a modified class and a stock class. And so there was a natural. Our same group, we kind of said, hey, we got Cherokees sitting around here. Let's do this again. So, boom, there we go. We started doing it again. And uh, uh, I don't know. They think that I know how to drive, so I got dubbed the driver. And, um, you know, all of the club members and friends, we all spent a multitude, months and months and months of weekends building the car. And, uh, boom, there we are again, Team Naxja. Well, you certainly did something right. Now, now the, the XJ that you were driving was in the um, stock class, correct? Well, we originally started in the unlimited class. Um, and 
2008 and 2009, the original team next year was uh, was the unlimited class. That's all there was then. Okay. Um, and uh, of course, we all had rock buggies that were built out of our Cherokees. So we had Cherokee-based rock buggies, and um, and that's what we raised. Uh, but now in uh, the last two years when they started the stock class, well, now we have an actual full-bodied Cherokee on 35-inch tires. It being a, a stock vehicle, it, it doesn't look stock. I know paint can also always make something look a little more uh, snazzy, uh, if you will, than uh, <laughs> than a stock vehicle. But yeah. what kind of modifications can you make to it, or or, or, or were you able to make to the the quote unquote stock XJ that you well, were? Well, the, the kind of the basics of the stock class rules are you're you're not allowed to change any sheet metal or the frame. You can't cut the frame, remove any frame, or you can't cut or remove any sheet metal. It all has to be there. Uh, you can't bring shocks up through the floor. You can't modify the frame for suspension clearance or steering clearance or uh, or anything. The full frame has to be there. The full sheet metal has to be there. So that's pretty limiting right there. Um, we're limited to 14-inch travel shocks, which really isn't a limit when you can't go through the floor. So, um, uh, And we're limited to 35-inch tires, and we're limited to the motor that came in the vehicle. So like a Grand Cherokee could have a V8 because the Grand Cherokee came with a V8. Uh, a regular Cherokee, an XJ, only came with a six-cylinder, well, a four- or four-cylinder, but, but we have to run the six-cylinder. Um, so you can modify the engine however you want. Um, you can change the suspension however you want, but you have to stick to the original style of suspension. So Cherokee came with coils and links in the front and leaf springs in the back. So it has to stay that way. Gotcha. Uh, we can't we can't link the rear. We can't put coilovers on the front. The the suspension design that the car came with you have to stay with that design. So that would mean no long arms uh, as well. Yeah. No. As long as it's as long as it's coils and links in the front, it. You can do any any combination of coils and links in the front, okay, but it has good. to be coils and links. I was getting ready to be really impressed if you weren't using long arms. Well, yeah, we're using long arms, but that's, you know, that's not that big a deal. I'm not a big long arm fan. Probably everybody around next knows that. That's interesting. I was thinking that that would be a, a benefit, especially in the rocks. Uh, uh, well, no, it's all about... It's all about arm angles. Uh, there's plenty of Jeep Speed cars that have won Jeep Speed uh, yearly series championships with running short arms and drop brackets. Uh, and there's lots of us that have very good performing Cherokees that run a, a longer arm, what we call a mid arm, without a long arm. So, Interesting. Um, you know, arms are just arms. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to make them work. Well, that's the great thing. Uh, I've been uh, I've been messing around with this stuff for a few years now, and uh, I'm always learning something. So it's it's great to hear uh, other ways of doing things. It's also neat to hear that uh, I don't have long arms, and now I don't feel so bad. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, no, don't feel bad that you don't have long arms. <laughs> yeah, I've been kind of in between. I've I, I did the drop brackets with uh, some. Uh, 
adjustables. So uh, I've got, uh, and, and frankly, as far as ride goes, I didn't notice any difference. So it's, uh, the arm just uh, is, a, a, it's just flatter now than what it was, less of an angle. Well, that's the important, the important thing is the angle of the arm. And you can, you can flatten the angle of the arm a number of different ways. One of the ways is making the arm really long. Right. So, no, but we do have we have a, a full traction uh, suspension on the front of the Cherokee, uh, which thankfully was provided by full traction, and uh, uh, and it's a good sturdy system, and uh, and it's working very well. So we're happy with it. Excellent. So uh, now, last year you guys uh, were in this race and you didn't finish, uh, and this year you came in second. What was the? What do you think the biggest difference was? Well, the biggest difference is that the car was finished. Um, we, uh, you know, we started building this car in September, and the race was in February, and the scope of the build just kept growing and growing and growing. <laughs> and uh, our co-driver Cal uh, said at one point in time that uh, you know we, I think we can win this thing. So we got in our head that we could win this race. And, of course, as soon as you say that, well, then, you know, open up the checkbook and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and start going at it totally differently. So uh, we, we really got down to business and built a pretty serious car, and, uh, and it just took a lot longer than we anticipated. So we, we actually started the car and drove it the very first time onto the trailer on Thursday driving out to Johnson Valley to race on Sunday. <laughs> so last year we had no testing time uh, and no, no time to work the bugs out of it. We did a little bit of shock tuning. Thankfully, uh, Joel from Bilstein Shocks, who helped us with our shocks, really knows Cherokee. So it, was, it wasn't bad when we got there. He made a few adjustments, and it actually got pretty good real quick as far as shock tuning. Uh, because uh, there's so many Cherokees that run in Jeep speed, there's a lot of good parts out there. So, so we're running Deaver front coils and Deaver rear springs, which already work really well in Cherokees. So, so we weren't far off. The car really worked pretty darn good right from the get-go, but we had mechanical problems. We worked on it constantly. We broke drive shafts. We, we did all kinds of stuff driving around before the race started. <laughs> and then no. we lost an alternator on the starting line and had to swap the alternator before we could even start. And um, anyway, we had mechanical problems, and we made it about two-thirds of the course, but then, but then we were done. So. But this year, the car was ready. We were relaxed. Uh, we had a few minor issues uh, before the race while we were out there, uh, but uh, got those resolved, and the car held together and worked really well for the race. So. Really, that's the difference. Well, that really is uh, what King of the Hammers is about. Is it's endurance. It really tests the uh, not only the uh, the people uh, driving the vehicle, but the the vehicle itself. I'm pretty I'm pretty impressed that a, a unibody vehicle uh, uh, makes it through all that. Well, um, I I wouldn't be surprised with that, Tony. Um, the uh, you got 127 Ultra 4 cars that started on the Unlimited race, and every one of them is a unibody. Interesting. Um, so this year you came in second. Why not first? 
Well, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, we got outraised. Uh, uh, one of the things uh, is we, we didn't finish last year, and uh, uh, we were determined to finish this year. So, um, I mean, I guess I kind of hate to say it, but we, we made it a priority as a team to finish as a first priority and to win as a second priority. So... Uh, we went out quick, but we didn't go out pushing the car so hard to try to win that that we're going to break it and not finish. So that we did not want DNFs two years in a row. So uh, we went out quick. Uh, we were, after the first desert loop, which was 52 miles, uh, and we came into main pit, uh, we were in third place. So we thought, okay, we're in good position going into the rocks. You know, we do pretty good in the rocks. And uh, uh, by the time we finished the first of, there was about 10 trails on this course. By the time we finished the first trail, we were in second place. And so we thought, we're okay, all right. So we we just went on through the rocks. But uh, the guy that was in first really pushed his car hard, and uh, we just never caught him. Well, actually, it sounds like a wonderful strategy because uh, you're certainly not going to win if you uh, if you don't uh, complete the uh, the entire race. So uh, it sounds like it worked out very well for you. It's uh, a very measured uh, approach. It uh, uh, shows some maturity, and I think that's what you have to do uh, if you want if you're in it for the long term. And this certainly uh, sounds like something that uh, is very abusive. How is it on? How is it for as far as the driver goes? How hard is it on you uh, driving the vehicle? Oh, I mean, it's really not hard on the driver at all. Um, I mean, there's no real physical punishment. Uh, you know, we're strapped in really well. The suspension works really well. Uh, you know, we've got good, high-quality seats. We've got uh, PRP seats that uh, that were provided by uh, Infectious Off-Road, which is one of our local clubs here. Um, and we've got hooker harnesses, which were provided very gratefully by hooker harness. Uh, they're a very high-end seatbelt that ratchets to tighten you into the seat, and you are so secure with those hooker harnesses that um, you know you're not going anywhere. So uh, it's not uncomfortable. We we wear head and neck restraints. Uh, people call it a Hans device. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of different brands, but we wear those. So we're pretty secure in the car. You're not, you know, you're really not beat up too bad. Um, you know, we uh, and again, we weren't we weren't running a pace that really punished the car. So, you know, the goal is to drive smooth, and um, you know, it's it's not really hard on the driver. It's a whole lot harder on the co-driver. <laughs> Why is that? Well, you know, first off, you know, the driver's holding on to the steering wheel. The driver knows what he's doing. So the co-driver's got to get it in his head just to let things go and go with the flow and, um, uh, you know, and keep looking ahead to kind of talk to the driver. And then also, you know, we ran 10 plus trails and we, we winched, I don't know where I counted back at eight or nine times that Cal had to get out and we had to winch. And, um, you know, and it's not easy getting in out of the race car. You're all strapped in, you know, you've got, you know, a, a communications wire there for our headsets, and uh, you got to unplug and undo your belts, get out, pull winch line, walk up and down 
lot of the areas that we had to winch had a lot of sand, so you're walking through the sand up and down the hill, and and uh, so it's a it's a good workout. And uh, Cal worked his ass off that day. So, do you have a horn on the vehicle so you can honk at him, tell him to hurry up? Uh, no, I never told him to hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 every bit as motivated as I am to get that stuff done and to keep moving. So. Uh, no, we work together pretty well, and, uh, uh, you know, so, yeah, no, we we kept the car moving. The goal was just to keep moving, and that's what we did. Yeah, no, I just, I know how guys are, especially in uh, situations like that. It's always fun to, uh, to uh, I don't know, do inappropriate things, and honking and telling him to hurry up whenever you're uh, a motivated team would be one of those inappropriate things to do. Well, so. yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, but... Um, uh, Actually, once he's out of the car, we're using hand signals. I can't. We can't even hear each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I had asked uh, earlier uh, about the uh, uh, you know why you didn't come in first, and uh, the reason why I asked that was Josh had uh, prepped me with some information that you guys had some some fuel issues this year, um, and I thought uh, actually I thought you were going to tell me that uh, uh, about the fuel issues is what kept you from uh, uh, finishing number one. Well, you would have to ask that question. Uh, you know, that's a little embarrassing, but uh, we had some miscommunications, and we didn't fuel one of the times that we had planned to fuel. Um, and um, the driver and co-driver can get a little bit excited in the race, <laughs> and it's kind of important for the pit bosses probably not to listen to the driver and the co-driver. Oh, no. But, uh, uh, we we didn't fuel the last time when we should have, and uh, it looks like we were just running out of gas. Um, we were uh, the the engine started a, a minor sputter about 20 miles before the finish line, and I was wondering what the heck's going on, but um, the uh, uh, but we kept going, but it kind of gradually got a little bit worse, and then I really started worrying that we might have a fuel problem. So I slowed down, upshifted, tried to be conservative to conserve fuel, and uh, we got to one particularly narrow, steep, sandy, rocky chute, uh, and we're working our way up it, and the engine died and wouldn't restart. And we were so disappointed. We thought we had totally blown it. We're just a bunch of dumbasses and um, cost ourselves finishing the race. So we winched, dead winch, without the, you know, without the engine running, hoping we could get it up and maybe get it at a different angle and maybe get some fuel back on the pickups. And, um, and it, it was slow going. It was soft sand and tough. You know, in the uh, uh, it was a log jam area, so there was other course workers there, a recovery crew. So they gave us some winch points and different things and helped, and and we did finally start. We finally got up far enough, and we finally got in a position, and it started, and we jumped in. We'd lost a lot of time, probably through all of that an hour, but it fired up and ran. It was sputtering, and we had I don't know, I think four miles to go of pretty rough terrain. But it made it. Uh, it, it the last, we had two long hills to climb, and it's 
sputtered to the top of both hills and made it down to the finish line. Oh, you had to... I was pretty damn happy and pretty damn amazed. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess you guys just had to have been just elated that it started once you got it. Uh, I guess it was more level or at least uh, at the right angle uh, for the, the fuel to get in there. Well, I, I guess it's... We really were still pointed uphill, so we didn't really get the difference of why it died and wouldn't start once, but it did again. So I really don't really have an answer for that. We do use special pickups. We use Walbro pickups, which is a special. We have four pickups in the tank relatively close to each of the four corners, which is supposed to allow it when the fuel is low, no matter what angle the car is on, that it'll still pick up the fuel. And, of course, you know, if one pickup is out of, is out of fuel in the air, of course, it'll suck air. So these are special pickups that that don't allow that to happen. So... Uh, anyway, it worked. In the end, it worked, and uh, the Walbro pickups did what they were supposed to do, and we made it in. Well, that's a shame. That's a shame that you had that uh, had that issue, but at least you at least you made it. That had been a a really neat feeling, though, especially if you if you have a feeling that there there is a fuel problem, and you're four miles, and uh, you know I I can kind of feel that. I've I ran out of gas the other day going to the uh, the gas station. And uh, I coasted in. Well, I, actually, I didn't coast in. I, it was kind of missing. I pulled into the gas station. Uh, I usually leave it running. I, I know, boys and girls, you're not supposed to do that, but uh, I do. And uh, I had it uh, had it running, got out, and it died on me. It literally died at the gas station. I always seem to plan those things out where it works out that way. It doesn't happen that often when it, when it does. I'm usually within either pushing distance or at the gas station. So. Yeah. Well, that is yeah, well, I tell you, it was a crazy feeling, and I, we were pretty darn mad at ourselves and pretty frustrated. But there's not much we could have done then. So no, that's a race, man. For that thing and, to and run that's like things it did happen. and make it that far uh, was really, really amazing. Yeah, I mean that—that's what happens in a race, and it's—it's it's always I mean, a learning experience. So what was that? Uh, that's what happens in races, and and it's always a learning experience, no matter how many times you go out there. Well, it sure is. I mean, we sure as heck know. We told the pit captains to ignore the driver and co-driver before the race, but uh, driver and co-driver kind of went wacky, and the pit captains kind of got influenced by us, and, uh, uh, you know, and we didn't do something that we should have done, and we almost paid for it dearly, but uh, but we got, got lucky this time. So uh, let me ask you this. Um, do you know about how many XJs were competing in the, in the race, uh, well, I guess specifically in the same one that you were in in the uh, stock class. Uh, well, there's three three XJs that I know of for sure. There might have been more. There were a couple of Grand Cherokees. Uh, they don't um, count. A couple of Toyotas. Uh, of course, a lot of a lot of TJs, LJs, uh, a Bronco, I think. So there was a few, but I know at least three Cherokees. A full full size Bronco? Uh yeah. Wow, that's pretty no, impressive. No, not full size. I think it was early Bronco. No, oh, early okay. Bronco. Okay, that makes more sense. I was thinking, man, I could, couldn't see a full size Bronco out there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That might not have worked. <laughs> so, what do you think the XJ's strong points were uh, in the race? Well, um, I don't know that the XJ is. You know, it's particularly the XJ strong point. Um, of course, we've been wheeling Cherokees for a long time, 
Uh, we know how they work in the rocks. We know how they feel. Um, so our familiarity with them, I thought, was, you know, we all thought was good. But, you know, it's kind of the history. We're, we're depending on sort of is the history of racing XJs. Um, we race, you know, we have, uh, uh, well, our team name. I mean, we are, we're a partnership with, with Team Naxja and Petty Cash Racing. And uh, Petty Cash Racing is uh, Matt Adair, who is one of our club members, and he is on our team. Uh, races a Cherokee uh, road race Cherokee, and I've raced a number of races with Matt, and um, so we kind of race Cherokees on asphalt, and we race Cherokees in the dirt, and there's a lot of history with the Cherokees racing in Jeep speed. So there's there's some pretty good know-how of how to make a Cherokee work, and I think that's as much you know, of what made it work for us as, as the actual Cherokee itself is, uh, is all the history that we have with the Cherokee and knowing what to do. Oh, absolutely. you got to know your vehicle. Now, uh, were there any particular weak points uh, to the, the, you know, something that you'd want to change with the XJ uh, for this particular race that, that you can't since it's a, a, a stock class? Uh, Tony, I couldn't hear that question. Sorry. Is that any better? Uh, a little bit. I was just wondering uh, what the, the what the weak points were, and uh, I know you had mentioned uh, you know running the shocks up through the floors, but was there anything uh, that you could have changed or that you would have liked to have changed on the Cherokee for this race? That's a good question. Um, well, we'd like to have a lot faster winch, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, we um, no, really. I, you know what? Uh, we'd like to do a little bit more shock tuning. We think there's more in the car, uh, but the tires work. You know, we're running Goodyear tires. We never had a flat. They worked really good in the rocks. Uh, the suspension's working fine. Um, you know, no. I honestly, it's crazy. I don't know that we had any real serious deficiencies that we'd like to improve. I mean, we've always got little things we'd like to tweak, but uh, nothing major. Oh, I love hearing that. Um, so, yeah, I was going to ask you about the tires. So no tire damage at, at all? No no cutting of tires? Didn't have to replace any on the way? No. we uh, uh, Thankfully, we were uh, sponsored by Goodyear. And, uh, uh, in fact, I don't know about this year, but last year we were the only team in the in – the, uh, the Everyman Challenge was sponsored by Goodyear, so they provided our tires, thankfully. And uh, we didn't we didn't lose any of them last year. Of course, uh, we broke and didn't finish, but uh, and we didn't lose any tires this year. So no, the Goodyears worked really, really well. We run the uh, the Goodyear Kevlar MTR, and no cuts, no damage, and uh, they hook up really good in the rocks. Excellent. Uh, so I, I guess I know the answer to this already, but. Uh, would you say that last year was uh, the, the the biggest failure or and success between last year and this year was that uh, last year you guys just didn't have the car uh, the vehicle ready and you really didn't have time to to get the all the bugs out and this year since you were ready and you were able to to race and focus on the race would you say that was why you were more successful this year? No, that's it. Uh, we weren't ready last year. And we have had inevitable new car blues and mechanical problems. 
and this year uh, we were ready. Well, that sounds great. Yeah, I kind of chuckled earlier because uh, when you said that you guys didn't, uh, uh, you had so many different things that you were doing to the to the Jeep, to the XJ, and you just it just kind of got away from you. At least that's what I got got from the conversation was it got away from you, and, and time uh, ran out. I laugh because it's it, that's a, that's kind of the theme, and I'm sure it, it, you've experienced it too. Uh, anytime you start working on your, your Jeep, it's just here, Oh, I want to do this and I can do this. And, Oh, this won't take very long to do. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it takes forever. Well, it just goes and goes and goes. And yes, everything takes a lot longer <laughs> and you run into problems that you didn't anticipate. And, um, uh, really, we had so many people around working on the car last year to really build it. We had work weekends where, you know, NAXTA members were coming from all over Southern California and uh, even from out of California. And it was a huge team effort. Uh, it is amazing to me how many people have put effort into this uh, Jeep, building it, helping us race it, showing up out there in the desert to work on it, work in the pits. Uh, it's just, it's a great effort and it's a lot of fun and it's a great thing to be involved in. And I'm sure it's very humbling to be driving a vehicle that you know that so many people have, uh, donated their time and efforts. And of course, uh, uh, your sponsors that, uh, you know, give you the, the gear to help you, uh, get from uh, point A to point B. So well, it, <laughs> it, uh, it makes me drive really careful. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I would think that you'd want to uh, you'd want to finish uh, first or uh, second, just so that all those people would get a little payback for all the time they put into it. So no. I would have thought you would have drawn a little a little more aggressive. No, you know what? That's why we, you know, it's a catch twenty two. We really wanted to win, but yet we really wanted to finish. So all the people that put the work work and effort into it and the time, if we didn't finish two years a row in a row, it would just be so disappointing. So the First, that's why the first goal was to finish, so we didn't let people down. And of course, if we can put a win together, wow, that just makes it well worth it. But we we got our finish in, and we got our podium finish in. So from here on out, we're out to win. Yeah, well, that's that's a great feather, and uh, not only uh, uh, your cap, but everybody that was part of it. And uh, actually, I know that you've mentioned uh, here while we're while we've been talking uh, several of the the people and sponsors uh, that uh, put this help put this thing together. Was there uh, anybody else that you can think of that you wanted to, uh, to mention? Oh man, I, this is tough. Cause I got to remember everybody, but uh, uh, Russ from Bishop and Buell racing engines uh, has built our motor for us and did a, a fabulous job. We've got a great motor. Uh, Russ builds race car motors for a living and he's gotten into specializing in four liters uh, we, of course, I mentioned full traction and Goodyear, but uh, Brown Dog Motor Mounts is a great supporter of Cherokees and has provided all of our motor mounts, both for the uh, for the uh, uh, KOH car uh, 4643 and for our, our uh, road race Cherokee, the Petty Cash uh, Blue Cherokee. Um, we have uh, Banks has Banks uh, Performers provided the header for the. Cherokee and has offered us uh, 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 some dyno time. Um, uh, Raceline Wheels uh, gave us a super screaming racer deal on uh, on a whole bunch of beadlock rims that we have. Um, Black Magic Brakes did 
did total custom brakes for us in the front. I mean, we have really good brakes. Uh, I mean, we can get right on stuff and hit the brakes and have a lot of confidence that it's going to work. Those Black Magic brakes work fabulous. Uh, all of our all of our winching gear came from Viking. Uh, we used a, 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 a rigging strap uh, in the race over and over and over again that works so much better than using an actual toe strap. But and our winch line is from uh, Viking. Warren uh, provided our winch. Uh, we've got one of those competition, uh, uh, R, uh, you know, nine thousand RCs or whatever it's called. And um, uh, Warren provided that for us. Um, we've, uh, and I know I'm not. I know I know I'm forgetting some. Oh yeah, but, uh, I, I mean you can't remember everything. I mean you, you probably would. Uh, it probably would take thirty minutes to go through the list of everybody that helped out. And uh, I know that everybody knows uh, how, how grateful you are for everything uh, that they've, they've done on the uh, uh, the the Jeep and getting you uh, to uh, the second place finish. So. Um, thought I would give you an, a little bit of a, a bit yeah. of a time there to think. Yeah, well, it's just you know we have so many people that it really is a team a team deal. I mean, it's a huge club effort and uh, lots and lots of people. It's it's hard to explain, but you know it really isn't Cal and I deciding that we wanted to go racing. Um, it really is a group effort. And a whole lot of people involved, and and uh, and working with us, and following us, and all that. So we're we're pretty privileged to be in the position that we're in. And of course, you're not done. You've got some more races this year with that uh, with that rig, don't you? Yeah, we're going to race. Uh, uh, we're going to race Sacramento and Prairie City in the first of April. We're going to race uh, Glen Helen Raceway in San Bernardino the end of May. We're going to race um, uh, Miller Motorsports. Uh, park in uh, around Salt Lake City area in the middle of July, and then if we're doing well in the series, uh, we're probably going to be tempted to go in September to uh, Texas for the national championship event. So, um, and then we're going to race again the year after that. I mean, this we built a race car, and we're going to race it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I like the way you think. So uh, I don't know if you, I know you're on uh, Naxja. Uh, are you uh, on any of the uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter? How can people get a hold of you, basically? Uh, yeah, um, they can uh, look us up Team Naxja and also uh, Team Petty Cash on Facebook. And they'll, there's updates and info and pictures and things there. Uh, you can also look us up on uh, our Naxja.org forums. There's threads on there about the build and all about the car and you know uh, all the pictures while the car was being built and gone together and all the parts and the, how everything was done it's all on there and uh, and of course we'll keep you know we'll keep updates as uh, as more races happen here over the next few years well that, well that's great I mean uh, I mean and, and as I've said it several times congratulations on the uh, the second place finish. Uh, it's a, a wonderful deal. Certainly, uh, like I said, a feather in your cap and, uh, and everybody's that, uh, helped, uh, get the, uh, get that vehicle from the starting line to the finish line. So, and I want to thank you very much for being our guest here tonight, uh, on, uh, the XJ talk show. Well, thanks for having me. No, it's, uh, it's great to have something to talk about.
The XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Well, that's another great interview. Thanks, Tony, for doing that. Um, that's awesome of Goat for coming out. Big congratulations, Goat Man, on the uh, second place finish there. Obviously, finishing is uh, is a win unto its own. Um, so really glad uh, that he came on. And, and from from Naxx, nonetheless, another uh, another Jeep site. Glad to have a, another fan join the site as well. So really cool, and congratulations once again. And, yeah. Uh, Yes, and I want to thank uh, thank all the the new Naxja members that are uh, on the, listening to the show now, and hopefully you guys will find something interest uh, that will keep you uh, coming back week after week. Yeah, folks, if uh, you got an idea, a tip, a suggestion, or a concern, by all means, give our twenty four seven voicemail line a call at five three zero six seven five four one zero two, or give us a shout out on voicemail at news tips at xjtalk.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yep, yep. And uh, I want to thank uh, Richard again for uh, being on the show, doing the interview. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, Richard has, has done a lot of things and is a, a big part of Naxja. I did not realize that uh, he was in there at the from the very beginning getting that thing started. So yeah. uh, we may be hearing more from him uh, in the future. Oh, I hope so. So, guys, until next week, uh, this is Tony. And this is Josh. You guys have a, a safe and uh, hopefully a good non-issue Jeep week, especially you, Josh. Yeah, thanks. We'll catch <laughs> you guys next time. Welcome and look forward to your questions and comments. Dial 530-675-4102 and leave your message on our 24 by 7 voicemail. I just wanted to say XJ Talk is the best fucking site in the fucking world. And if you think you know of a better fucking site, fuck you. By the way, this is Big Jim 350. Bye. Amen, brother. You're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Please help Tony and Josh get more listeners by telling a friend or two or three about the podcast. It's so simple. Just tell them to go to xjtalkshow.com. Okay, look, Tony is really insecure and he measures his success by how many people listen to the show. He is driving us crazy. So please tell a friend. XJTalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to XJTalk.com when you're off-road too. Using your smartphone, install the Tapa Talk app, then search for XJTalk. Take XJTalk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well... 
anywhere you need your XJ Talk fix. Be sure to friend XJ Talk on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and add us to your circles on Google+. Join the XJTalk.com community and check out our sister site, WranglerTalk.com.